Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Ah, welcome, 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 my friends. It's another exciting edition of That's Right, KMOX is at your service. Greg Damon here hanging out in the studio. We got all sorts of great stuff tonight going all the way till 10 o'clock tonight. And we're going to have some time for open phone lines as well. I'm going to throw those numbers out to you now. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Those are the phone numbers you want to get on. we got some time for open phone lines, but we got some great stuff coming up today as well on At Your Service on KMOX. 806 is your time right here in the heart of Mid-America. And in the studio, hanging out. I tell you what, I wish it was Festivus because I got a lot of problems with you. You got a lot of problems with me. That's right. Kevin Wheeler's hanging out with me. I got a lot of problems with you, so I'm li- I'm, I'm listening. I mean, bring it, dude. I'm listening. I mean, bring it. You I, know, you, I'm all over it like a bum on a baloney sandwich. I mean, that's I know. That's how you. That's how you roll. That is how I roll. So I'm listening to K Wheel and Ranji here yep. on the way down. Yep. Right. You guys are talking baseball. You're yep. talking about the players' union versus the owners. Yep. Yep. And you're going on that you both side with the players' union. Yep. Because that's how you identify, right? Well, yeah, because I don't own a business. Well, I understand. I understand. Well, a couple things that I want to throw out there. I thought, oh, you know what? Here we go. Here we go. Let's do it. Hold on. Let me roll up my sleeve for a second. <laughs> show you the guns before we start. Sun's out. Sun's not out. So Sun's not out, out, but I'll still bring the guns okay. out. All right. Hey, so uh, you were talking about getting uh, kids involved in, the, gra- in yep. the game. Yep. Right? Yep. Can't agree more with you, but I do agree. So we, the part you agreed with was the whole... Kids are front runners. They like winners. So if you want to attract more kids, you want to have more teams trying to win games, right? I is think that what you meant. Look, the, the conversation that you and him had about the incentives, trying to win games. I agree, hundred yep. percent. Okay, that's, my, that's, my grandfather that's was a was a huge uh, Pirates fan his entire life. Obviously, never seen a you know World Series from them. So, uh, but what I'm saying is, I agree. Those teams that are always bottom feeders or they never seem to acquire enough players or they trade away their talent or sell their talent mm-hmm. away. I, I agree. Or when they actually are good, they don't like try hard enough to get over the top and win a World Series. Absolutely. So we'll give the Royals some credit, right? Because when they had their little run, they actually did. They got over the top. They won the World Series. And then two, two years later, they're bagging the tank again. Just like the Marlins. Yeah. Same thing. Marlins, win, same thing. Win the World Series, sell yep. off all your talent. Yep. So... Uh, you know, you were talking about the, uh, the 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 business or the team just reaping the benefits of the TV contract, making money that yeah, way, yeah, yeah. not putting it, not reinvesting. Back so basically, into... the payroll 
that you, I'm not the payroll, but the they're, losing doesn't hurt you anymore financially as long Correct. as your payroll is low enough, right? right. Mm-hmm. So if you're running the Pirates $40, $45 million payroll, your revenue sharing money is about that. Your TV money is about $65, 70000000 million on the national side. Then you get your local money. See, so you're fine. You're covered. You're making money before you ever have to sell a ticket. Exactly. Right. So they don't care how many fans are in the stands. I mean, but they care, I, I, but they don't care enough to, like, it's it's more risky. You're just not going to let me talk, are you? No, I'm not. It's more risky to try <laughs> than it is to just try to suck because by the, having the low payroll, you're still going to make money. No. Well, what about their sponsors? Uh-huh. Obviously, that is yeah. one way for anybody, and I don't care if they're the media station that covers them TV, yeah. radio-wise. I don't care if it's the sponsors you see on the, on the, on the uh, walls of the stadium, you know, who's in there. Uh, I mean, doesn't that turn away your sponsors, man? Yeah. You know what? I don't want to. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to support this team. They you're right. They yeah. Do you, you definitely have more people that want to spend money with you when you're good. Right. Hundred percent. So yeah. you're talking about kids getting them back into the game. Which, yeah, yeah. Now you know my older son Nick. He loved it. Played catcher. Mm-hmm. Had a, had a great time doing it. Loved it. Was all about it. But the one thing that I did want to agree with your co-host. You on, wanted to agree with Ronj. Correct. Okay. That was your co-host. Yeah. Right. I'm just messing with you, man. I'm sorry. I'm going to stab you. I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'll be nice now. <laughs> anyway, the one thing I did want to agree with him is, you know, I've taken my kids to multiple baseball games and, you know, they have a great time. You just, like you said, you know, they're drinking Coke, they're having popcorn, <laughs> they're eating cotton candy, they're doing right. all this. And then all of a sudden in the third inning, they're like, uh, can we go? Because there's nothing going on. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't, doesn't hold their interest. You know, when you're a kid, they've got, the attention span's not very long. Now, all of a sudden, it's just not holding their interest. That's not a new thing, by the way. Children no. have always had short attention yeah, spans. Well, That's not like a modern thing. You know, I I, I bucked up one time, and I, I uh, an old boss of mine had some really great seats, nine seats behind home pl- nine seats up behind mm. home plate. Wow. I got his tickets one time. Took I took Nick. He was a little young. We're having a great time, thinking this is a great bonding moment. Dad and son having a great time, sitting down here, can see the action, hear the umpire. We can do all this stuff. And the second inning is like, can we go? And you know what your parent, you know what you are as a parent there. You just say no. That's what I said. Yeah, we're staying. You're, you know, we're, this is this is going to be fun. We're going to watch the game, and then then we'll go home later. Yeah, I think yeah. we made it to the fourth inning before. Well, I, you know, that's on you. But anyway. <laughs> So no, look, look. So, so that's that's my thing. But you know, that's that's so, really if the if the if the child is, let's just say, thirteen years to eighteen years older. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they understand what's going on in the game. They right. they can right. watch it. Nick is a huge baseball fan. He loves to go, loves to hang out, loves to watch. It doesn't matter what mm-hmm. what the score is, what it is. He just likes he likes to be there. Likes to watch it. So you know, that's the that's the fans. Obviously, you want to cultivate, but you want to get into it. I do agree with him. Is it's got to be sped up. So okay. let me ask you this. What can you change or add that's going to take that younger kid and make it enough action where he's going to be, like, glued to the field? What can you do? I, I, you going to make it full contact? Just tackle everybody? Well, you know, I would like that. <laughs> <laughs> Being a football I mean, guy, like, I'm like, yes, this is, this is kind of my point. Like, when when we're talking about these changes, so basically the ideas that we're talking about, about picking up the pace, right? Because it's not about the length. Right? No kid is like, well, that game was 11 minutes too long. No, no, no nobody, no, no. nobody, nobody cares, cares about that. that. You want more action, right? That's right. Well, how do we measure that? Is it know. one more hit every two innings? Is that going to, because that's what the things were changing, 
That's the kind of impact it's going to have. It's going to be like an extra run every six innings or extra four innings or whatever. It's like let's juice it, the baseballs. You could do that for sure. Absolutely. I mean, they didn't like it when the players were juiced, and I understand that all the health concerns. But yeah, you could definitely do something like that. But then it becomes a ridiculous um, comp to what we've all known as baseball, right? I mean, people, Cardinals fans, like their history. They're not going to be like, "Wow, why he hit 88 home runs this year? That's amazing." They're going to be like, "Why is he hitting 88 home runs? This game's stupid now." <laughs> you know, like that's what you know. That, that's the balance that you have to you have to have, right? You right. have to, you want to develop new fans. You want to develop the younger fans so that when they're older, they become fans. Which, by the way, has been working because. All of us that are now 50, we were nine once, and we're baseball fans now. You know, like somehow between in, in those 40 years, we were in there. You know, like people act like like it's like a video game, and like people are just spawned at age 50, 60, and they love baseball, and nobody before that age likes baseball, when reality is you had to like it all along to be that now. Yeah, but I think there's a lot of fringe fans, too, that they, they don't necessarily go for the game. Right. They go for the atmosphere. They go with hanging out with they their buddies. For, they go for, for drinking. They right. Go. So what do you need for that? You need an entertaining team. There you go. Right. So you need a team that's going to compete. You need a nice ballpark, right? Or at least a ballpark that you keep up with the times so you can offer some fun amenities, right? So you can have uh, the craft beers that people want, the cool foods that people want, the the beautiful look of the stadium, um, you know, maybe some other entertainment, you know, people always got the t-shirt rockets and all that stuff. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things that go into that, but the number one thing that goes into making it an event, making it a fun thing is winning. I mean, why do we see 3 million fans a year at Bush stadium? It doesn't matter about baseball. the Cardinals. That haven't can be been any bad. team that can be a hundred percent. Right. And I think that's my point is we get so locked in on how do we increase the action because you're only going to increase it by a tiny percentage. You're not going to create 50% more action. You're just not. No, I agree. You're going to you're going to increase it so that it's maybe an extra couple of hits a game. Well, that's not going to change the general experience of sitting there and watching a game. But what will is if your kid is like every day all of his friends are talking about the Cardinals cuz the Cardinals win every year. And you know, I mean like look at look at the excitement that happened in 2011. The entire region was it was in, right? Cardinals flags on the car, and everybody's talking about happy flight and rally squirrel and all that stuff, right? Because they were awesome. Because September was awesome, and they were making a push, and eventually, obviously, the playoffs happened. So it, it, you can't all be that. You can't have all teams good at one time. But the teams that are bad need to at least have cycles where they're good so that the kids and those people, those fringe fans we're talking about, have a reason to jump on the bandwagon every once in a while and then go, you know what, I had a good time at that game. I'm going to go back. Or I'm going to go back next season and do that again. I mean, you know, we, we as the diehards, like people like me, we focus on what we see every day, which is the details, right? I sit there and I can, I mean, I'm talking, I look at the shift and where did we lose a hit here? Where could we get another five hits a game there? I don't think the average person is thinking about that. No, not at all. Not at all. So I think Mark, that's why I say our focus on how we can grow the game and make more people like the game is more directed towards helping more teams be competitive and in, and pushing the teams that are not to at least try sometimes. That's, no. that's going to get more of those fringe people than Absolutely. an extra three hits every nine innings. Well, they don't want to see the World Series with the same teams in it every year. Yeah. 
I got another question, Kevin, but I got to do some business. Can you hang uh, for just, just Sure, yeah, I can do that. I'll, t- I'll call your wife and tell her you're going to be late. Ah, she's working anyway. All right, there we go. Folks, you're listening to At Your Service here on KMOX. Greg Damon sitting in the big chair. Kevin Wheeler uh, hanging out with me because I got a lot of problems with him anyway, both about sports and other things as well. But that's a whole different story. Hey, stick around. We got more to come. Welcome back, my friends. 821 is your time right here in the heart of Mid-America. You're listening to KMOX's At Your Service. Greg Damon sitting in the big chair. I have my good friend, my buddy, my pal, Kevin Wheeler, the sports guy, still hanging out here because I got a lot of problems with uh, him as I mean, he was, he was talking. As he was talking on, when I was driving down here for the show. and, and But I've I, already talked you down from one of them. <laughs> so let's fix, let's get the other one straightened right, out let's here. Get, let's get going. <laughs> let's get going here. So. Uh, another I big, shouldn't talk bad to you. <laughs> that's right. You I take work, care of me. You I'm going to work on, on your car. car. That's right. Yeah, check those damn brakes. Looks like that price just went up, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, that's a whole different tangent. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I, I want to talk about this designated hitter. They're most likely going to yes. uh, include the designated hitter yeah. in there. I'm an old school guy. I don't yep. want it. I think it's going to take away from managing the game more. Uh, you know, you're going to be able to have a probably a uh, veteran that uh, really doesn't play out in the field much anymore, but now coming back and uh, he's going to be a halfway decent hitter and he's going to be sitting on the bench playing the designated hitter. I don't like it. I'm old school, Kevin. All right, let me ask you a question. Name something that you haven't done since you were in high school. Hmm. Something physical, ideally, because that's that's. I was going to say use algebra. Okay, yeah, (laughs) I say, okay, well, let's do that. Algebra, was that harder? Did you do, like, calculus, pre-calculus? Oh no! Physics, anything like that? No. Chemistry. I, I work on cars. All I right, just so let's just do this. Talk so, about geometry. So you learned better. algebra then. If I showed up at your workplace today and said, "Here, Greg, here's a set of algebra equations. Figure all this out, or I'm sending you to the minor leagues." How would you handle that? Well, I'd say, "What's my pay?" Right. No, I'm saying, would you be able to do it? No, I wouldn't be able to do it. No. So what we have now is a system where some of these pitchers that are being asked to hit in the major leagues have not swung a bat since high school. Okay. That's so not, they get to the big leagues. Then they need to do that in the minor leagues. But they're not going to do that, and because they and they haven't been doing that, right? So how many... So Jack Flaherty is a pitcher in the National League, right? Absolutely. Because he plays for the Cardinals. Well, I know that. How many minor league at-bats <laughs> did he have before he reached the major leagues? Seven. From the time he was in high school until he reached the major leagues. He had 17 minor league at-bats. Okay, so let me ask you so this. So that I'm system play, makes well, stop. no I'm going to play sense. devil's advocate right here. So at some point in time, Probably in his high school career, Jack Flaherty was probably the best player, oh, yeah, he, best hitter on his yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, he was a shortstop, too, in addition to being a pitcher. Yeah, absolutely. So Right, but here's the point. He then went four or five years without hitting. Okay. And, so, then, and then it's, okay, they got, buddy. They here, got hitting here's, coaches. Here's Noah Syndergaard throwing 100. Have fun. Okay. They, they have, I got news for you, by the way. They got hitting coaches. They got Wait, all sorts man. of time they can go down and they can hit. But first of all, they don't even hit in the minors. And you want them to hit in the major leagues? That's right. Why? Because Why do you want to see somebody that's so bad at that do that thing? Because I think it adds strategy. Do you to want the to game. see David Ortiz pitch? Uh, sure. <laughs> Jose I mean, Okendo no, no, no. He's and a I, secret weapon. No, no. And I don't even mean in a blowout. I mean in a meaningful spot, like in a real in a real game where it mattered. Do you want to see the designated hitter or Jose Okendo? You want to see Okendo on the mound in the sixth inning of a two-two game against the middle of their order? Well, because that's going to happen to the pitcher. He's going to step to the plate with a runner on third and one out. And you know what he's going to do? 
he's going to bunt and is not going to get any run across the board, or he's going to strike out on three pitches because he hasn't done this since he was 18 years old. Okay, so like, the so problem is that let's back it up. Let's in the, back it in up. the old days. Let's back it up. We'll talk about some relief pitchers here. What? Okay. Yeah, relief pitchers. Oh, okay. You yeah, know, they, yeah, they come yeah. in after yep. after the starter gets burned out in yep. three and a half innings, yep. and then they have to bring in 15 relief pitchers, you know, and then hopefully a closer at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So these guys have been around the league 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Some of them. Okay. You know how many at-bats they've taken in those years? Well, I'm saying they got a lot of time. They can go hit. No, they can't because they're not allowed to. Yeah. Well, they can't go out and they can't pitch every Because day. you can't just go in the cage before the game because the the hitters are there doing their work, so you can't kick them out of the way. Okay. When batting practice rolls around, you have a limited amount of time, so you can't get in there. They do have a pitcher's hitting group, but that's for the starting pitchers, not the relief pitchers. And those guys, don't all, they don't hit every day. They will. The guy will hit on his I, day to pitch. I got a gazillion dollars. I can hire my own and, hitting and coach. What, what I'm saying, <laughs> I mean, the, the problem here, Greg, is <laughs> you're trying. Kevin Wheeler is so red right now, folks. You're, you're trying. You're coming from a fixed conclusion and trying to retrofit it so that it works. So you have the engine of a '69 Camaro, and you're trying to stick it into. That Tesla that's that's parked outside. We got an adapter kit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, if you're not going to train people to hit, you can't ask them to hit at the major league level. And by the way, let's talk about strategy for a second. What strategy are we talking about? I figured out the double switch when I was seven years old. It's not hard. No, I, I get that. But if I need Where's to get the a strategy involved, I, get, I need to get a run. Okay. Okay. So, I, so, the, so in other words, and so in other words, the game tells you when to change pitchers because you have to pinch hit for them. Sometimes that's not strategy. Sometimes, it and guess to. who's going to hit there? The lefty against a righty, or a righty against the lefty. Right. This isn't complicated. And then he can go take a shower after he strikes right. out. This isn't complicated, man. Like, here's the problem: you want people to be good at the things you're asking them to do, right? Do you do you want do you want to watch somebody? I mean, have you seen the statistics for pitchers in recent years? No, I've not seen them. But I mean, the, la- but the last only by the listening last, to you. And, the last few years and have going been, on and on. Yeah, and on the, about la- this. the last few years have been the worst <laughs> years ever when it comes to oh, pitchers. Absolutely. Hitting. I mean, absolutely. They're they're not even competitive. It's absolutely. Not even, so why are we making them do this so that we can have one extra bunt a game? Maybe. I mean, like, and again, there's the other thing: is most of the time when they don't strike out, they've laid down a meaningless bunt. A bunt that is actually counterproductive to when it to, to scoring runs because bunting a runner over from first to second with nobody out or with one out is costing you a chance to score runs. You're actually reducing your chance at scoring runs. Absolutely. So I'll give you that. I, you know, and now we're back to math and algebra. See how that works? Oh man, now I got to take <laughs> off my shoes. Hey, I got a question. <laughs> okay, hang on. I got, I got one more. Oh, okay. I got one more, okay. and then I'm done. Okay. Uh, so you were talking about obviously uh, the the TV contracts, and we're talking about uh, you know this new uh, the the, uh, the players' union against the owners. Yep. You know what's going to happen? What ultimately is going to happen is it's going to hurt the fans because well, yeah, what's sure. going to happen? The prices are going to go up. No, they're not. Okay, try to take a family of four to the baseball game. It's going to be astronomical. Do you know why that is for 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 just the why, average? Why family. why is a Corvette more expensive than a regular Chevy? Just a four door sedan. I don't know. If I go to the Pirates game, it's going to be the same. Why is the know? does it have more? Does it cost more material to make the Corvette than it does to make the four door sedan? Different material. No, but is it does it is it cost that much more? Does it cost forty thousand yes. dollars more? I don't believe you. Okay, it's You're, the demand. It's the demand. It's supply and demand. Ticket prices are supply and demand. So if people stop buying tickets, I, the prices will go down. I understand. Until then, they're not changing. I'm not necessarily talking about ticket prices. I'm talking about amenities at the ballpark. As Again, you said before, stop buying them and the price you know, will go down. 
So. What happened? What happened when uh, when the COVID shutdown started? What did gas prices go up or down? Well, of course they went up. No, they didn't. They went down because nobody was driving. No. Gas they prices went down. I was driving. Uh, I'm telling you, you want me to look it up, I'll look it up. Gas prices went down with the lockdown because nobody was buying gas. So when the demand comes down, the price has to come down with it. When people went back to work, the price went back up because there's demand now. That's how it works. I mean, I hate it too. I don't think $10 for a beer makes any damn sense. But the only thing that's going to ch- change that is if people stop buying $10 beers. You stop buying them, they won't do it anymore. But... You know, we're the idiots that keep doing it. Oh, I agree with that. All right. So now let's move on. I, <laughs> All right, I'm so you. I, I, do you have time or do you want to wait for my question to the next time we talk? Uh, if you can make it quick, I'll answer it. Well, I mean, it's a simple one, right? Okay. Because you're the car guy. You know auto stuff better than anybody that I know. And I saw, you know, during the snow and all that out east in Virginia, right? People were trapped on the highway. Yeah. So I saw a story about, I don't remember which brand. I think it was a Tesla, but it was an electric car. So they're like, hey, this guy survived all night on his battery in his Tesla. Is that a thing? <coughs> like, is that real? Uh, like, can it go no. like 12 hours and you're warm and happy? And So so let me ask you a question. We'll just go back here. I'll throw this question back to you like you were just doing to me. Okay. So if you have a flashlight yep. and you put new batteries in that flashlight, you turn it on. Yep. And it is nice and bright, right? Yep. And so you put it in the drawer and you come back two months later and use it. And, and it's okay. It's still good. Yep. You You do that like three times a year. Another year rolls around, you go to turn that flashlight on, it's real dim. Why is that? Battery's getting low. Battery's degrading, right? Right. right. So what do you think happens to an electric car battery? I don't know. Does the same thing. You're the expert. Does the same thing. (laughs) Every time you use that, it degrades. Right. Okay. So every time you turn your seat heaters on, it's going to remove energy. You turn your headlights on, it's going to remove energy. You want your heater on, it's going to remove energy. Okay. You want your wipers on, it's going to remove energy. So all this stuff, you think about all the creature comforts in your car. Yep. What you use, you like to listen to radio. Oh, yeah, blast it. So, so now... Does I use more battery if I turn it louder? Uh, probably, nice. minutely. Okay. But anyway, what I'm saying is it it, it is just not feasible. I, I, they're trying to put these electric cars, they're sh- trying to shove them down our throat. They won't fit. They, they just don't work. They just don't. Either. They just don't work in an everyday driver. You have to have some sort of backup. You have to have some other car... That's going to have an engine. Can you carry it. a spare battery, or does that uh, like I don't even well, know how it works? I mean, works. I guess you could strap it to the, the to the roof and then spend eight <laughs> hours have, changing they, it. They and, don't have trunks. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not like a regular battery. Then it's right? not like a regular okay. battery. It's, right. it's it's as big as this desk. So in other words, I can't fix anything, so I couldn't do that. Uh, no, except I know how to change the blinker fluid. You're very good at that. Yeah, I'm going to take you into AutoZone. I'm going to let you uh, go in and get buy some blinker fluid. Let's do it. All right. You got yeah, something? You got something going on? <laughs> I got some stuff coming up. Here. All right, I'm going to go home. You be good. Right. Thanks, Kevin. See hey, you, appreciate you sticking around. Hey, folks, Greg Damon here. We're talking at your service. Kevin Wheeler, thanks a lot for sticking around. I got some great stuff coming up. We're going to talk with Dr. Fami Farah, and she is the CEO and medical director of Bentley Heart. I don't know if you heard this story. Uh, happened on Monday where a gentleman had an, a uh, uh, had a heart transplant, and it was actually out of a pig. She's going to fill us in on that, so stick around. More stuff to come. KMOX at your service. Welcome back, everyone. 837 is your time right here in the heart of Mid-America. Of course, you're listening to KMOX at your service. Greg Damon sitting in the big chair tonight. All sorts of great stuff to come up. Folks, I don't know if you uh, if you uh, had been following this, uh, but on Monday, uh, a man from Maryland had open-heart surgery, and so far, everything's fine. He's still living, but 
He had a pig heart installed. Yeah, that's how, that, I'm a car guy, right? Installed. That's what it just kind of sounds like. Well, you know, I can't speak on this, so I've invited uh, our next guest, Fami Ferris. She's a cardiologist and CEO of Medical Direct, or she's the CEO and Medical Director of Bentley Heart, also the Director of Global Health Alliance Foundation, and she's been uh, kind enough to hang out with us here on At Your Service. Dr. Ferris, thank you so much for joining us on the program. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to have you on because I, I, I got to tell you, I think this is just fascinating. I, I mean, I can't, you know, I can't even really think about it, uh, you know, it, it, to, 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 to even fathom this. And, and, and I go back to when I was when I was just a wee little lad that uh, my grandfather had open heart surgery. And I remember that they put a vein from a pig in him somewhere. And I just thought to myself, and it's always stuck out with me that, uh, wow, that's just really incredible. It is. This is an incredible breakthrough in the medical sciences, particularly in the cardiovascular field. So I am super excited to see what this brings. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the things that I thought was very interesting about this, obviously, besides having a pig heart installed, is, is, is actually this pig was bred for this type of operation. That is correct. It was a genetically modified pig that was bred particularly and specifically for this purpose. Now, what what do they you say genetically modified? So, what? How does that process go about? So, um, it starts with uh, you know before even we bring this pig to life, uh, it, it was genetically modified in the DNA. So it has to be made in such a way that when we graft it, like, you know, when we transplant this heart into a human's body, a couple of things we need to consider. One is rejection. It's a foreign thing that we will be uh, implanting into a human body. So by modifying certain areas of the DNA, they were able to reduce the risk and actually minimize completely the risk of graft rejection so that so that the human body can accept this uh, transplant and not reject it right away. So in this particular pig, there were 10, um, 10 areas where they modified within the DNA so that it would be more compatible uh, for the human. Okay, so is this kind of like uh, Dolly the sheep where, you know, it was created in a Petri dish? You could say that, yes. It was a modified pig, so uh, the DNA was modified of this pig before it was bred. Now, uh, the gentleman who's 57 years old, he uh, he agreed to be the uh, first to uh, risk this experimental surgery. Uh, you know, having having such need for transplants from from many people all across the world. I mean, this this just could be I mean, this just could could be a game changer. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, to give you a perspective, we have hundreds, like, you know, we have thousands of people on a list every year who are just waiting in hope to be able to get a heart for a transplant. But majority of them actually don't get that heart because globally each year we have roughly 5,000 hearts available for transplant, whereas on the list we have more than 100,000 people waiting. So most of these people just wait in vain. Uh, Most of them actually die much before they even make it to the list. It's a very difficult list to make it to. There are some rigid criteria the patient has to meet. Uh, The availability is just not good uh, when it comes to human heart transplant. And so this medical breakthrough is going to be huge in terms of being able to provide people with the care 
and uh, prolonging their life in the future. We're visiting with Dr. Fami Farah. She's the uh, cardiologist, CEO, and medical director of Bentley Heart. Uh, in, in Dr. Farah, I mean, is there is there other things that uh, you know that that we're modifying animals for that could could help you know uh, cystic fibrosis patients with lungs and and things like that? Yes. Um, so there's a company, the same company that provided this pig, is a company dedicated to breeding pigs that are. Uh, genetically modified for the purpose of transplant, organ transplant in humans. Uh, so to go back to this particular pig that was used uh, for this transplant, they've actually been doing research uh, on human trans, uh, you know, transplant from a pig for more than two decades now. On this particular pig, they, as I was mentioning, they had 10 areas where they modified the gene to achieve three specific goals. One was to make sure that it doesn't get rejected by the human uh, body. Two was to make sure that when the heart is transplanted into the human body, that it doesn't form blood clots. That would be uh, problematic for, for sustaining life, and it could lead to other complications. The third was uh, size of the heart. So it was modified so that the pig's heart doesn't grow too big so that it can actually fit into the chest cavity of the human. Um, so it's a particular, this, this particular pig that was used, natural size would have been close to 500 pounds, but because of the modification, this pig was a little over 200 pounds. I believe it was 245 pounds. The other thing is that even after you take the heart out of the pig in its normal size that, that would fit in the human body, without this modification, sometimes uh, these grafted hearts, they can continue to grow in the human body. One of the things that they did was research on baboons um, uh, from the, the same pig uh, heart. That, so before it was transplanted into the human, they did years of research on uh, baboons. And what they saw before, you know, they went through a series of genetic modification until it was ready. They felt it was ready for human transplant. One of the things they saw before was that um, even after transplanting, the heart kept growing inside the baboon and it became too big. And so they had to go back and make this further modification. So it's very, very interesting. This is cutting edge signs. Uh, I'm just so excited to to see what comes of it. Oh, absolutely. Dr. Fair, I got to do a little bit of business. Can you hang with me for a few more minutes? Sure. All right. Fantastic. Folks, we are visiting with Dr. Fami Fair. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Dr. Fami Farah, she is the CEO, medical director of Bentley Heart and also director of Global Health Science, Health Alliance Foundation. And we're talking about a gentleman that had a, uh, a heart transplant with a, a pig heart. Uh, man, just, uh, it, it just unbelievable to think about this. Stick around. More of At Your Service on KMOX. Welcome back, everyone. 847 is your time right here in the heart of Mid-America. Of course, this is KMOX, and it's at your service. My name is Greg Damon, and we are talking about heart transplants. And I got to tell you, folks, got a great guest here on the phone with us, Fami Farah. She is the CEO and medical director of Bentley Heart. Not only that, cardiologist and director of Global Health Alliance Foundation. Dr. Farah, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us here on a Thursday night. Thank you. I'm enjoying this. This is exciting. Oh, my gosh. It is so exciting. I mean, I'm just kind of beside myself to think about, uh, you know, all the lives that, that, that could be saved by that. Uh, I, I do have a couple of questions. So so why a pig? Is a pig's heart pretty pretty similar to a human's heart? 
It is, yes. A pig's heart, not just heart, majority of pig organs are very similar to human organs. So that's the main reason. Oh, good. I, uh, you know, I've been called that a lot in my life, so I feel good then. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, I, I, I just think it's just an amazing, an amazing surgery for this guy. So he's been alive since Monday, uh, not on a ventilator as well. That's correct. This is as exciting as it can get. Um, so when uh, when the patient's surgery happened, he he was on something called ECMO. Uh, of course, he was ventilated and he was on ECMO. ECMO is a machine that provides circulation to the body. It takes the stress off of the heart and does the work for the heart, so to speak. And uh, so it's a very high-level support system. And they were actually expecting for him to be on the ECMO for a couple of days more, for a little bit longer. And they were able to take him off of the ECMO machine wow. much sooner than was anticipated. This is very encouraging. Um, so, so we really think that this is already a huge success. Um, you know, hopefully he will make it out of the hospital. There's a lot that's yet to come. Um, we'll, we'll be watching that very closely. But as of right now, the fact that he's made it out of the surgery, he's off of ECMO sooner than expected. This is huge success. So is he, is he awake? Is he still kind of in a, in, in a drug induced coma or. Um, he, it seemed from earlier, the reports we got, it seemed like he was awake and he was able to communicate to, to some degree, um, but I'm sure he's under a lot of medication. So sure. his exact condition, uh, we have yet to know more about it. So you, you talked about a little bit about rejection, and I know that uh, I, had a, I had a really good friend that had cystic fibrosis, had a double lung transplant, was awesome for a while, and then unfortunately uh, passed away. So I, I realize about the, the, the rejection part of it. Can you explain a little bit more about this? Yes. So... Um, we have our own immune system, and anytime we get any kind of foreign body uh, in our body, um, it, whatever the mode of transmission is, we our, our immune system sees it, sees it as a foreign object and immediately sees it as a threat. And so it starts attacking it until it just becomes obsolete. It won't work anymore. And that's a huge problem that we deal with whenever we are um, considering transplant. Uh, even when you do human-to-human transplant, even then there are certain levels of matching, like, you know, blood group, uh, several things that they have to match so that we ensure that when this organ is transplanted, it doesn't get rejected. Uh, and it's not just for the heart. It's for any organ transplant. Uh, and, and so that's why it's very important uh, that, you know, this pig was genetically modified and uh, to ensure that it's not going to be rejected. For the rejection, we also put the patients uh, on certain medications, immunosuppressant-type medications, to additionally provide support and uh, protection so that we suppress our immune system to some degree so that it's not as overactive, so that it doesn't end up rejecting the transplant, uh, transplanted organ. I'm assuming is with that medicine, though, that also makes them more susceptible to other diseases, you know, uh, uh, colds. That and, is a very things. good concern. Yes, it, it does make it can make somebody more susceptible to infections uh, like, you know, viral, bacterial, fungal. And that's why those are all big concerns. And it's not an easy process. You know, the recovery 
phase of this gentleman who has received this transplant is going to take time. And um, there's a lot to come from this to see the quality of his life, what it'll be, not just, not just uh, you know, quantity, not just how long he'll live, but also what qu- kind of quality of life he'll sure. have. Uh, so all those things will need to be taken into consideration. You asked earlier about other transplanted organs, for example, lungs. Uh, same thing with with kidneys. Uh, they are doing experiments uh, with the same uh, pigs as well on those transplants. The same surgeon, the same uh, person who's uh, leading this program at uh, Maryland University, he's been working with kidney transplant for quite some time, and um, you know they haven't had any live patients uh, yet from the kidney transplants, even though the kidney transplant required less genetic modification to that pig, because when you do a heart transplant, it really is the most difficult transplant to do of all the organs. And so that's why I'm I'm super excited even more because, uh, and that's what's working so far, you know, like uh, the fact that he's still alive and he's off the ECMO, uh, this is really, really nice. It's just just amazing. You know, you, you brought up about the kidneys that obviously with diabetes being such a big prevalent thing here in in uh, in today's society and with the lifestyle that everybody leads, boy, you know, that takes a toll on the kidneys as well. That that that'll be a game changer, too. Absolutely. Um, it, it'll make a, a huge impact because, you know, Many patients go through a kidney transplant every year. It's hard to come by any uh, transplant organ, including kidney. But think of the millions of people who are on dialysis as we speak. Right. And if we can make this mainstream, if it becomes something that's viable and workable in the future, think about how many patients would have a better quality of life uh, who can get off of dialysis because dialysis is very difficult to do. These patients have to go and sit in a dialysis lab for like, you know, three to five hours, three times a week. That's that's like a very poor quality of life right there. And if we can change that for millions of people, uh, it, it's going to be incredible. It is going to be incredible. So, Got uh, just a few seconds here, but I'm going to have you put your I'm going to have you put your uh, your four seers hat on and tell us where do you think this is going to be in in five years, ten years down the road. I'm very optimistic about this. Uh, there are yet a lot more research that needs to be done for it to become mainstream. Uh, so a lot more animal and human research needs to be done before it's actually approved for use in the mass population. But I'm very optimistic, judging by how this has gone so far, that we're going to make huge improvements in the near future. Well, Dr. Fair, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us here on At Your Service. I, I, I just can't thank you enough. This is just an amazing story. Please come back and update us a little bit later. And for folks that want to, uh, information, where can they go to get a hold of you? Um, they can find me at BentleyHeart.com, or they can find me on social media at FamiJF um, on uh, Twitter or Instagram. Thank you so much for uh, coming out and hanging out with us. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Well, folks, I got to tell you, just an incredible story. Dr. Fami Farah from uh, Texas Cardiologist telling us about that. Uh, just amazing. I, I just, uh, I, I just, <laughs> I, I'm at a loss for words by by thinking about this because this could help so many people out there that are on the transplant list and and you know just give them uh, just a chance to live. That's about the best I can say, folks. We're going to see you on the other side of news. Stick around. More about your service.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.